0: It is a special day. Oh, 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 oh! Sorry, this is a new piece of equipment. I'm still getting used to it. Special day. This is, dare I say, a historic day. It is a day that, at some point, you know, during the off season, you never thought would get here. Right? It's opening night for the National Football League. Lord, football has truly returned. Now, in in fairness. In our world, as we welcome you into the Plank Show right here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans, in our world, football had returned two weeks ago, right, with week zero and getting to see Nebraska, where the Sooners travel to Lincoln next Friday to play the the, the Huskers at 11 a.m. on Saturday, to, to see... You know, obviously a full week one of college football, which spread from Thursday to Friday to Saturday to Sunday to Monday. Our, our start of Lord football returning is already in full swing. But it's almost as if now uh, almost half of the true college football. Like, let me give you for instance. There's a pro football podcast that I listen There's an NFL podcast that I listen to as a fan incessantly. Incessantly. John Middlecoff. I even named him because I love him to death. Uh, and during the NFL season, we'll get him to come on. But when he talks college football, it's one of the most painful things on the planet. It's like, oh, my gosh. What's he doing right now? But now you kind of get into more of the non-college football fans wheelhouse, if you will. Though I still have never understood Josh Helmer. How could anyone not like college football? That's still a great mystery to me. How could you complain about college football? I mean, the NFL is great, don't get me wrong, and 10 a.m. this morning, it's pick time, but how could anyone possibly watch college football and be like, not for me, same two teams, I don't care. I mean, I understand if you want... Like every team set up to go nine and eight and eight and nine, like the NFL is allegedly supposed to be. But I mean, come on how can people how could people have wanted to take vacation last week in the week leading up to the start of the college football season? What's going on? There's really only one explanation.
1: And go ahead. It's that they're evil. That's the <laughs> only explanation I can give you.
0: Evil, evil people. Where did you go wrong? What? What? Show me on the teddy bear where college football hurt you. Show me, because it doesn't make any sense. Welcome into the Plank Show. How was your Wednesday night? Anything exciting in the Helmer household? Wednesday night was good. Wednesday night
1: was good. I, what did I do? Uh, you know what I wound Did you up- have high school responsibilities? I did. I had a coach's show, ah. which was great for Norman Volleyball, which, by the way, we got the Crosstown Clash tonight krefsports.tv nice. so that'll be fun you know what i ended up doing a lot of last night and
0: what's that this
1: this was like i wonder if anybody else out there was watching this because it <laughs> literally went into uh well early early this morning i was watching that quarterfinal from the u.s open not not tfo's uh really? win for the united states but like late into the morning i was getting some work done watching the end of that quarterfinal it, was the latest quarterfinal ever in US Open history.
0: Really? 5 hour epic. I have an admission to make and a confession. I never heard of either one of those guys. Does that make me a good guy, bad guy, my terrible person? No,
1: they're both really young. Alcaraz is 19 okay.
0: years old. 19. Wow. It started blowing up on my Now I'm going to be honest with you. Last night was who is Kent State night for me. So I was kind of knee deep in Kent State's game notes and trying to learn a little bit a bit about them. Toby had their play by play guy on earlier. We, I thought his, you know, and just a quick little sidebar. I had been so confused by the decision to go straight from Seattle to Tulsa instead of going Seattle back to Ohio. I'm like, it, do you know how expensive it is to to put? I don't know what it. But eighty do I don't know if they travel eighty guys or not. But to put that plus support staff up at a hotel for a whole week and then meals and everything, you're basically blowing what you make against Oklahoma in one week. But the explanation about you know the trucks and I hadn't even thought of the semi. I thought that made a little bit more sense. Still costs you a lot of money. But I guess in this instance you're making money, so all good. But we'll we'll, we'll get into that later. I got a Kent K-State breakdown coming up uh, in the ten o'clock hour for you. But my timeline was blowing up with this. So I did flip over for a little bit, but I guess I guess it didn't really register how historic what was happening was, Mr. Tennis Josh Elmer. I guess it never really – because it was like, oh, this is still on. Oh, hey, look, there's a new Rick and Morty on my – there's a new Rick and Morty on my DVR. So that's kind of what ended up happening to me last night. New Rick and Morty. I wish I could – That's pretty exciting. I. Know. I had, it was – I got halfway through it and I was just like, I gotta go to bed. I mean, it was like midnight. I'm like, I gotta go to bed. But yeah, it was uh it was not necessarily a sportsy night for me because I'm excited about tonight and we have, you know, family responsibilities on Wednesday night. We go to church on Wednesday night. But it was um, it was interesting. I love how certain storylines can draw people to a sport that normally you don't care about. And then you kind of learn, okay, wow, this guy is a big fan, or this this lady's a big fan of that sport. Uh, there was one of the ringer riders during the softball season um, that's just liking and retweeting all the softball stuff. I'm like, really? I'm like, let's go. Uh, you see people that you never thought of. Uh, who, is the, who was the Thunder pregame host that everyone loved and he went and worked with the Pelicans? Why is why is his name escaping me? Antonio Daniels. Does that sound familiar? That's it. Yeah, that AD. right. Huge tennis guy. Huge. I'm like, whoa. So that's what's interesting to me. Whenever you have an event like we had last night, or like when NASCAR is going late into the evening, and you see a couple people that are still tweeting about it, and you realize, okay, I got a kindred spirit there. All right, there are people. But you're here this. to tell me there I'm not the only one that's sitting here watching so I'm going to go out on a limb here Josh and assume that you were not necessarily finding kindred spirits you were just there for the craziness of a match that was still going on late into the night
1: yeah I wanted to go to sleep so bad I wanted to go to sleep but I was like (laughs) I I've watched too much now I'm invested I have to see how this ends
0: tonight the NFL starts we're going to spend some time on it coming up in hour number two, there's a report this morning about Matt Stafford's elbow injury and off-season surgery. Um, it's the start of the end-of-week road trips for the Plank Show. Uh, today I'm at Cavens, as we typically are on a Thursday. Gary's going to join us later in the show, Four zero five five seven three three zero four eight. 573 3048 CavensConstruction.com. They do incredible work, and uh, they've been a part of our team, if you will, and I feel like we've been a part of theirs since day one of the show, uh, roofing, construction, uh, environmental needs, water remediation, mold restoration. They've, they've got you covered at Caven's Construction. And Gary will tell you all about it in about an hour and 20 minutes from now. And then tomorrow, tomorrow we're going with the split crew on a Friday. I'm headed out to Winter Creek Golf Club in Blanchard, Blanchard, Oklahoma. You, Josh Helmer are headed over by one of my favorite jaunts. Yeah, I understand correctly, you're going to be by Sam's tomorrow. Now, you're not at Sam's. Sam's is heaven, right? Do You ever want to put me on a remote and then I disappear for like half the show? Put me at Sam's. But you're going to be at what, green
1: cleaning? Yeah, I think uh, two green, is it two green chicks? I, I think, right?
0: I don't know. That's where you're going to be, not me. I had complete. When it says Josh is going to be here, I'm out and I'm completely done. Yeah, it's called Two Green Chicks. Uh, is where you're going to be for our OEC Fiber Football Friday.
1: Yes, th- that'll be good. And if you need something from Sam's, just let me know. I can pick it up later.
0: Let's go. Let's go. I need a hot dog, and then I need you to go around and let me know what samples they have. <laughs>
1: okay, I'll. I'll because scout if it. they have
0: the right samples. I might make that launch for me, Josh. That's that's how it might go, but that's Friday, and then of course Saturday, all of our pregame festivities. Is TJ mad at me about Saturday? Do do you do you know what's going on for me on Saturday? Have we talked about this on the air yet? No. What's what's going on? No. So I had committed about oh gosh like three months ago to MC the women's gymnastics championship, right? And they said we're going to do it on a game day. And, like, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, how cool is that, right? Get to campus a little bit early, probably do it here at the LNC. Um, and if it infringes in our pregame show, then Toby and Teddy, I mean, listen, there, there's a handful of shows I don't get to do anyway because of prior responsibilities. It'll be fine. Well, now that we have our new location uh, uh, in, in the Hertz Donuts parking lot right there on the corner of Campus Corner, if you will, uh, it, it's kind of a big deal. And so I committed to this, and the actual ceremony is not even on campus, which I, I, I think they had told me for a while, and I'd kind of blocked out. And it's at the Terra Verde Event Center, which is over there by the school. So uh, it's done at one thirty, which gives me time. But Josh, you never know with traffic, and then I am going to try to park over by campus corner just to be there quicker. So I'm actually, I am actually—I don't. When was the last time TJ had to do a show on a Saturday? We gotta we gotta dig into the archives because TJ is apparently on standby, and will probably end up having to do most of that show on Saturday for me at two o'clock from over there. That Hertz Donuts parking lot. It, has there been anger spewed my way? Has there been frustration? Has there been dirty dirty notes sent around? Am I am I getting talked about behind my back because of this uh, inability to be there whenever it's supposed to start? I he, feel terrible. He did mention this morning.
1: He said, "Good morning, Plank. Ruined my weekend."
0: <laughs> uh, the man hasn't figured out. I just, I'm, I'm in awe of it. I'm in awe of it. Now I think he's 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 angry because we have all of these extra high school games and events that we're doing that end up probably making him crazier, busy than he's ever been before. But yeah, I I may be I may be running a scoosh behind on Saturday, Josh. Just just a scoosh for the pregame show out in the parking lot at Hertz and Donut. So there's the schedule. That's how the show goes. Let's get after it on a Thursday. Uh four oh five. Three two nine nine thousand. That's the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. If you want to jump in here, that's four zero five three two nine nine thousand four zero five six five one three four three nine. Air Comfort Solutions text line. And of course, as always, this show is very active on Twitter at Plank Show at Josh on Ref. It was unique because on a Wednesday, not many media responsibilities. So we always talk about a wiping Wednesday, where we kind of take our final look back and look ahead. So here's my question of the day. Here's my jump in here. Hit me on Twitter. I want to know. I, and I. And I to be honest with you, I think Tyler threw this out at Kref Sports, and I was kind of angry because I'm like, "Hey, hey, that's what I wanted to talk about on Thursday." But I think it's a really, really good question, and it is, you know, where do you want to see the biggest improvement from Utah to Kansas State? And maybe we fine tune that, Josh, for our show and procure it a little bit. What's your expectation Saturday? Right, Based on what you saw against Utah, moving forward for Oklahoma, what's your expectation on Saturday? Uh, where do you want to see this Oklahoma Sooner football team continue to trend upwards? I would say part of it, for me, is to see the continued success, I, I, I want to say, of the offensive line, right? Is his Savion Bird, because I thought he looked really good, even though he got dinged with the – the holding call that brought back the touchdown. But as Savion Bird gained enough trust, to Josh, to where we could see him earlier in the game? Um, I, I can say the the early returns on McCain-Mator were not very good. And that's not knocking the kid. You know, maybe he's hurt. Maybe he's not 100%. But most of what the conversation has been around the guard play has not been very good. So is there is there a chance, you know, we see one of those youngsters play a little bit more? When, you know, that's do you st- Snap counts on the offensive line would be fascinating for me, Josh. Snap counts would be fascinating because I found it very interesting whenever whenever the conversation came up at Rudy's on Tuesday night. Or yeah, Tuesday night this week. And they had asked about a guy that may have earned himself a little bit more time. You know, they mentioned, I think it was Sexton, right? One of the Jakes on the offensive line as someone who may have earned a little bit more time based on what they saw in week one. So, I, I mean, is there a chance that you see increased snaps there? Is is there a chance we see Wanya Morris on Saturday? You know, Daniel Parker was out on the uh, at, at the tight end position. Maybe that leads to seeing more of those two tight end sets. Maybe that leads to a little bit more 12 personnel than what we saw on Saturday because, a, again, you have really good young tight ends in Jason Llewellyn and Kane Helms, but I think you count on Daniel Parker a little bit more to be that blocker. But I'm just – I don't know, Josh. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what this looks like on the offensive line. I want to see that be better in week two.
1: I think that has to be one of the first places you look and – as we speak, I am digging up some snap counts here for you. Here's what I here's what I've got on the offensive line so far: Ray Murray, Harrison, all 53 snaps; Guyton, 49; McCade, Mataya was 35; Conjul, 23; and let's see, Sexton and Bird both 10; Taylor,
0: nine. So Sexton only had. Text, maybe it was Taylor that they was talking about. I felt like there was that Sexton had more snaps than that. But then again, though, too, we went through it yesterday, and I felt like that Justin Harrington ended up having more snaps than we ever anticipated. So, hmm, hmm. things that make you wonder, Josh Elmer, things that make you wonder. All right, I want to get yours next. So we'll take a timeout. Hit us up at the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. The Plank Show is on the road on a Thursday at Caven's Construction, right here on the Home Sooner Fans. Dude, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm thinking about Arizona as my upset pick this week. I mean... I don't want to do it. The last thing I need is Arizona to win, but uh, I just don't know how good Mississippi State is. Heck, what am I talking about? I don't know good how how good Arizona is. My two upset. I'm down to two games on my upset pick.
1: I would go a different direction.
0: Actually, three. I'm down to three. Yeah, I'm go- I'm going. I'm either going there or Kentucky over Florida. Or a move over UCF. But that's, I got to make that decision quick because that's tomorrow night, right?
1: That is tomorrow night. Louisville. And yes, you do need to make said well, decision quick. I would not go with Arizona if I was you. That's just me. Then again, you're talking you to somebody that also has zero points on the board. So proceed with caution. That's true.
0: That is true. I don't know. There's a couple of, sna- like Duke. Ten points in Northwestern is kind of interesting. I don't, okay, I was asked this morning as we take a look at the Big 12 st- slate real quick before we get kind of Josh's take on where he wants to see improvement in week two. I cannot figure out the Kansas State-Missouri game because – yeah, and I think, by the way, I I made this mistake. I keep thinking about the Kansas State first play of the game, and I keep saying – kick return for a touchdown It was literally their first play from scrimmage playing it was a reverse it was Malik Knowles to the house 75 yards after they downed the kick in the end zone so their first play from scrimmage was a touchdown but literally that's about the last good thing they did offensively in that game meanwhile you know Missouri's got a five-star receiver that was kind of dicing things up last week I don't know, dude. That that's a pretty big number for Kansas State at home against Missouri. Seven and a half.
1: And actually, it was uh, a little bit more than that at one point, wasn't it? It was eight, eight and a half. At, at one point. It was
0: nine and a half. It opened. It it opened at nine and a half. Yeah, nine and a half. I mean, doesn't Missouri? I mean, State, you're my Kansas though? guy. I need to. I need to know my crazy. That's the question. They're
1: gonna want. I don't to, know, man. They're gonna want to beat you know, it's, Missouri it's, so bad. They, they they do not like Missouri there. I actually feel pretty good that K-State's going to cover. Maybe I'm crazy. Kansas State has a history of stinking it up in week one versus opponents that you're like, how the heck do they play this bad? And then, lo and behold, they they get a lot better. So I don't know if it's a combination of being vanilla or something about K-State just doesn't play well in week ones. But I feel pretty good that K-State's going to win this game pretty you know, somewhat comfortably.
0: Huh. Hear you. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm torn. I'm, here's what's wrong: is I'm overthinking this. When I just look and say, "Yeah, there's the pick. It's, it's okay. Grab a few numbers. Get down to two games." When I have this many games in mind, Josh, this is where I end up getting in trouble. This is where I end up having a goose egg like four weeks in. And ref Royal Rumble. We'll all have our picks in by Friday, and that's what matters. Okay. It's a Plank Show right here on The ref Air Comfort Solutions text line. Keep them rolling in, 405-651-3439. Okay, Josh Helmer, I I mentioned the offensive line as an area that I really want to see improvement from week one to week two. How about you?
1: And I think we almost dove into that a little bit deeper and said let's see left guard really improve for Oklahoma. And I agree with you. I mean, they need to get that piece straightened out. I could big picture it and just say both offensive and defensive lines – I want to see dominate Kent State in this game. I mean, this is an opponent that you ought to overmatch. So there's that for me. But uh, this is maybe a little bit off the beaten path. I don't know how many others would say this. Felt really good coming into the season about 1-2-3 at wide receiver. And coming out of the opener, you know, maybe not quite that way. So I just think collectively Mm -hmm. beyond just Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss, I want to see Jaleel Farouk play better, right? I want to see one of these young receivers do something. I want to see Drake Stoop show me, okay, hey, remind me, yes, this is somebody in Crimson and Cream that has made a lot of plays. So, I just think the collective performance of Oklahoma's wide receivers, I need to see something a little bit more before this team heads
0: to Lincoln. So... I like it. Now, is that a conversation about being more physical? Is that a conversation about being more involved? Um, is you know, maybe I don't want to obviously the finer points of it we can talk route running and things of that nature. I mean, when you say more involved, do you point at Dylan Gabriel though for that? Or is that just these guys being a better target?
1: Being a better target, I think to a certain degree, the coaching staff wanting to use more players. So I think just all of that, I I want to see production from these guys versus Kent state, because this is kind of, you can do this versus Nebraska. And, and we'll see, I mean, as you go along in the, the big 12 portion of the schedule, but I mean, for a lot of intents and purposes, when we're talking offensive line, figuring out left guard and, you know, whatever you want to pick and choose defensively that you want to see improvement on. This is, you know, look, with all due respect to Kent State, it's kind of the final tune-up uh, for Oklahoma before things start getting serious. So, I just – I need a little bit of resolution in the production department from Oklahoma's receivers beyond Mims and Wee. So, I, I want to see that this week.
0: I like it. So, depth. Depth, too, is an issue. I – you know, it's it's a little bit unfair because by the time that Gibson came in the game, they weren't throwing the football. And I know everyone's kind of excited about Jaden Gibson. Uh, we we probably and gosh, like you go back to what Jeff Lebby said earlier this week from his press conference that he had. He talked about playing guys, Josh, and I thought this was pretty interesting because, I mean, it's not it's not as if they didn't feel like they played enough guys. But we
2: we didn't play as many guys as maybe we had hoped and wanted to. Just the way the game worked out, you look at it, you know, up 21-0 after 15 plays of offense. And then as it moves forward, you have 10 series and in the second half, you only have four. And so sitting there with four series, I would have loved to have been able to play guys a little earlier, get them in for a couple of series. It just it didn't present itself that way. I've got to be a little more mindful on making sure maybe some of these guys get in a little earlier. Um, but that's uh, that's how it unfolded. But that was that was a regret. I, w- I wanted to play. We wanted to play more guys and and, uh, and get them a little more, a little more access.
0: Mm. So, I think Josh Helmer, specifically that receiver position, maybe even a couple tight ends, might be on that list too. So, mm. receivers. Josh Helmer needs to see a little bit more from the receivers in week two.
1: Defensive backfield. Four zero five six five one three four
0: three nine. I just I don't know how much they were called upon to do Saturday. That I mean that sounds terrible. Maybe I should rephrase that. I don't know how much peril they were put in. Right. I mean it was kind of you know they were going to keep everything in front of them, and you know one thing, one thing I was impressed with with the defensive backfield on Saturday, Josh, they tackled well they really did i mean it wasn't there wasn't one guy getting juked and then the next thing you know you look and there's they're 30 yards down the field there wasn't any busted coverages so i mean it's like the slightest the, the slightest bit of of acceptance right it's, oh they didn't they didn't break any coverage it's like oh plank you made it 3 hours in your show well done you know it's like, we wanted just the minimal and they accomplished that so i'm with you yeah here's one thing i do want to see In week two. I want to see more of those Stutzman hits. Danny Stutzman had one big hit in that game. And even though it came a little bit later, you still got the ooze from the crowd, right? I want to see those. I want to see him cap off hits. I want to see a runner pay whenever they they hit that line of scrimmage. I really do. And I think you'll continue to do it. It's, It's wild because we say this, and I agree with Toby. I think Kent State's better than UTEP. I I think if Kent State and UTEP were playing each other on Saturday, I would probably take Kent State to win. But I I also think there is a chance that Oklahoma could have a lot more success defensively in getting off the field quicker just because they try to run that hurry-up offense. They try to, when they get a first down, they try to go, and I think the Sooners can create some havoc if they maintain their proper alignment and things of that nature. So much for a wipe it Wednesday, right? <laughs> so much but this is looking forward in all fairness, right? We are looking forward here.
1: I think we're in the clear in the terms and conditions that apply okay. here of wipe it Wednesday. I think we've we've tossed it forward
0: Thursday. Here's a good one. Here's a good one from the six one four. Less pre snap penalties. Cleaner. I don't think I was trying to look at the number here while I saw that, that text. I don't <laughs> – it was frustrating because I don't think – I'm going to say this and then look back and they – I don't think they ended up costing them because I felt like both of those early pre-snap penalties came when they were deep in their own end and they ended up uh, kind of getting out of that rut anyway. But they were – They they seemed like they were kind of pointless – to be honest with you. They, they seem like they were mistakes that they shouldn't have made. So, I, I'm i with you on that. How about this? I don't want to see a two-drive lull. I, you know, they went up 21-zip yesterday and made it look easy. Is it as simple uh, enough as to say, hey, you're up 21-zip? I don't – back-to-back three and outs at that point with, with all the juice, unacceptable. And Jeff Levy would tell you that. But – what did they end up doing after that? They went on a, a, a good old-fashioned, grinded out, 11-play, 68-yard drive. And you go into the halftime with this game absolutely positively in the bag. So, that's probably a minimal thing. No, I don't think but so. But I, I, I don't like those lulls. You don't think so? Okay.
1: No, I think that's good, man. I, 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 like I think lulls. that's a, a really good way to put it. And I would actually I would add to it and say – Show me three great quarters, right? Because, I mean, look, if you dominate for three quarters and you get into the fourth quarter and all of a sudden you got third stringers and the like in there and Kent State scores a couple of times, then so be it. But the the second quarter, Lowell, in, you know, specifically that you're talking about, yes uh, – get rid of that but then even beyond that plank you really want to see them come out and continue to dominate to start the second half it just just make this thing look like a total mismatch and then boom it's uh, obviously onto a big trip up to Lincoln Nebraska so make this look make this look like you're just the dominant football program bet- between these two i mean that's the spread says that that right. should be the case and make that be the case
0: 936 That's 405-651-3439. All right. When we come back, there is another – well, there is a massive game to kick things off on Saturday morning. Are we giving Texas a shot? Are we giving them a chance to keep this game close? Let's dive into it next. Plus, I got a very interesting phone call last night, Josh. Very interesting phone call. Uh, Not OU-related but it was in the big 12 and they had heard our conversations about the crowd leaving early and kind of the back and forth of it and some fans getting very angry about it other fans understanding us constantly trying to say hey call. it's you know let's just try to continue to find ways to keep it around and they asked a very simple question of me they said are you giving another school a free pass for its crowd based on the frustration over the OU students. We'll talk about it next, right here on the ref. Fanatics this morning unveiled the first group of football jerseys with names on the back. Jerseys are priced at a hundred and forty dollars. There is an undisclosed percentage that goes to athletes. Now, I saw, let me double-check my timeline here. They were all over it with the OU guys where you could get specific, like, for instance, Gavin Freeman, you can buy his jersey if you want. So, if you go to fanatics.com, oh, wow, look at that. And under under Oklahoma Sooners jerseys, there's there's a lot. <laughs> there is a lot that's there. But you can get a uh, a custom one. So you get the player's name on the back, and you can pick their number. Oh, that's cool. Okay, that makes more sense. So it's not just Bryce Young or DJ Uyunglele or Spencer Rattler or um, Dylan Gabriel. You can literally go, and you can pick the number, and you can put that kid's number on it. What's the countdown before someone creates their own number and puts their own name on the back of it? Is that you know that's coming, right?
1: Yeah, it shouldn't be too long. I wouldn't I wouldn't think.
0: Would you would you wear a Helmer jersey Absolutely. and put like 9 on the or 15? Number 1. <laughs> hey, I like Helmer. Who is that? <laughs> who's Who's Helmer? He's one of my favorite play. Where's number 1? Um, couple of quick texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Actually, on the super secret Textoso line, my man Sooner Terry from the Sooner fans podcast, the football fans podcast. Defense old Kent State to negative seventy-five yards rushing in the first half instead of the measly negative thirty-four against UTEP. <laughs> I, I I still was surprised by the the one person that's like, oh, defense, fine, didn't get home enough. Like it, They're not going to sack someone on every single play, especially when you're going up against max protect on about every single play, right? I mean, that's that's not easy. That's not easy at all. But that's funny. I, I Every so often you, you stop and from anger if you're like, oh, they gave up 13 points and you realize they only allowed .9 yards rushing, .9 yards per rush. Um, From the 918 off the air comfort solutions text line 405 651 3439. They didn't do terrible on third down defense, but there was a few times I thought we could have done better. Would like to see that week too. That's fair, right? And if you looked at the numbers on third down, let's see, I have them right in front of me. Oklahoma held UTEP 5 of 15 on third downs, but some of those. Now listen, some of them you got to stop and give credit. I don't know about you, Josh, but we had joked about Yolo throws in the pregame show. But Gavin Hardison, man, he made some of those throws. He threw some from some weird angles and was pretty—it was pretty impressive with what he was able to do. But still, I, I like that. You know, five of fifteen is damn good. But whenever you're like, eh, you know, I, I wouldn't mind pushing it and, and creating a little bit more havoc on third downs.
1: One of three, one of three. By the way, for all you math majors out there. Conversions on third down.
0: Oh, yeah. Five divided by 15, one of three. Um, Jay from Medill. I want to see a Billy Bowman kick return, our defensive pick six, that will turn the stadium up. It's been too long. I, I don't even know. Was the last kick return for a touchdown in Norman – Joe Mixon against Ohio State when he dropped the ball before he crossed the goal line. (laughs) Was that the last kick return that we had for a touchdown? Where's my man Dennis Stats Kelly on that one? Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of another one. I think our last – Did Parnell Motley, whenever he picked off that pass against Tulane, did he take it to the house? Was that the last pick? That was like – that wasn't last year's Tulane game. That was the year before – um, it Now, this is usually something where someone's like, oh, we did it last year against Western Carolina. Don't you remember? No, no, I I don't. I don't. It, some of these things absolutely skip my mind. But I'll tell you what, uh, Venable said it this week, Josh. Apparently, they were a missed block away from, from Billy Bowman taking that kick return to the house anyway.
1: Just one block away. Clean that up. It would be fantastic to see. And I agree with the sentiment there. Special teams, if it's kick return, punt return, obviously you get into the end zone and the, the roof comes off the place. But if uh, even if you just have a couple of big gainers, I think, again, on special teams is really, really going to excite the Oklahoma fan base just because that's not been part of the hashtag OUDNA of late, right? I mean, it's just not been a program that wanted to be super aggressive or gamble much, if you call it gambling, on special teams. To try and make aggressive aggressive explosive mm. plays. And so yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's it's fun seeing the return of that.
0: It is. Four hundred five, six five one three four three nine. All right, line's open if you want to jump in on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line, four oh five, three two nine, nine thousand. More of your texts and uh calls coming up here in just a bit. Josh, you locked Alabama minus twenty on Saturday. Has there been anything this week that has wa- caused any waiver in that idea or that, or that philosophy or that projection?
1: Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? It's going to be <laughs> hot in Austin. Steve Sarkeesian has basically admitted that they're prepared to get absolutely rolled in his press availability. So, no, I'm feeling better and better as, about it as the week goes along.
0: All right, here was a little bit of Sark talking about going up against Nick Saban. With
3: the opponent, you know, whoever they are. I remember our days at USC in the 2000s, we felt that a lot. Um, I'm sure we felt it here at Texas in the 2000s. Anytime Vince walked on the field, they probably felt that way. And, you know, I think what Alabama's been able to do, it can, it can get that way. I think the, you know, the best approach is to focus on what you need to do. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to have 11, we're going to have 11, the ball's going to get snapped, you know, and the ball's probably going to get snapped upwards to 200 times, and how many times can we be right out of those upwards to 200s? Um, you know, as you guys know, with, with Coach Saban and myself, I have the utmost respect for him, not only as a man, but, but as, a, as a coach. Um, he's a tremendous at, at game planning. He's a very good schemer in all three phases, offense, defense, special teams, and he's a really good motivator. Just uh, a nice job motivating his team and getting them ready to play. Um, so for us, for me, you know, the challenge is I can't worry about what he's doing in, in their locker room and in their team room. i got to shift my focus on making sure that, that we're game planning really well, that we're scheming really well, that our guys are motivated to play uh, and have the right mental intensity, you know, not just on Saturday but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday uh, so that we've got good focus um, and that we can go perform
0: they keep talking about 09 they keep talking about 2009 do you know why they keep talking about 2009 Josh because they were good in 2009
1: and they played in the because the in,
0: 2009, Steve Sar- in 2009 Steve Sarkeesian in 2009 Steve sarkisian took a underdog Washington team and beat number three USc and upset him and now, you know, I blame Sed Golden for this. Now they're starting to draw the comparisons of, well, Sark did it once, so Sark can do it again. I just, I mean, I'm sure if we were doing a, a sports radio show on the ref, you and I, we were probably having some of the same conversations if we were breaking down USC and Washington. Um, I don't know. I just feel like this Texas team is just not ready for this moment. I really do. I just i and i I have a bad feeling it could get ugly on Saturday. I mean, could it get ugly enough to where that seat, even with Arch Manning committed, gets hotter than it's already at? If they get embarrassed on Saturday, Josh, could that ratchet up the concerns for where this program is headed?
1: i I don't think so, but depending on how ugly it gets, then, yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, if they lose by. 40, 50 points, then there's going to be some really upset Texas fans. Simple as that.
0: Right. I will say this. I will say this. If, and it's a big if, if they happen to keep it close, Texas fans are going to be unbearable. Unbearable. Just prepare. I don't think you're going to have to worry about it, but they're going to be unbearable. All right, uh, 951. On a Thursday. Quick break. It's Plank Show with Josh Helm. I want to I talk crowd. I want to pay off my tease about the phone call I had from someone who was a very concerned uh, Big 12 fan. We'll get to it next. Just real quick, near the top of the hour. And, you know, we, we had Ryan Leaf on yesterday, and we were talking about the Pac-12 and what it might look like. Brett Yoramark made some comments yesterday. Yes, he did. And we were getting into – we were getting into – The Pac 12's future and the Big 12's future. And this person had brought up hey, heard you guys talking about crowds, heard you talking to Ryan Leaf. How come no one has mentioned how terrible the Oklahoma State crowd was against Central Michigan? How come no one has brought up concerns about what the Big 12 is going to look like after Oklahoma leaves? You spent so much time fighting about. Oklahoma's crowd and students leaving early. How come there hasn't been more about where the hell were Oklahoma State fans to start that game on Saturday? All right, well, I'm sorry, sorry, Thursday. And I kind of thought about it a little bit, and I think we all know the shot. Those shots were taken so early. Uh, they didn't do a lot of crowd stuff, but I'm, uh, I don't know. I, I, are Oklahoma State fans upset about it? I haven't seen much backlash or fallout from it. Now, granted, we spend a, our days talking about the Sooners. But, Josh, you think it's irrelevant, period, to worry about it because that's kind of how it's always been. Right. No, I, uh, I've got some
1: thoughts on the whole Oklahoma State crowd situation.
0: I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. Let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> We don't care.
1: Yeah, we've been here. We've done this
0: before. <laughs> okay. O- right.
1: Oklahoma State. <laughs> Let's not compare OU's okay. crowd right. versus Oklahoma State's crowd. Two different beasts.
0: Okay. I, and I don't – listen, I don't know if it was a comparison. I don't know if it was a comp- comparison. It was just, y'all are spending some time getting mad about this. Why isn't anyone mad about this? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I'll ask. There you go. I got my answer. <laughs> when because we come this back, is the it's fans time to make, make our.
1: <laughs> the Oklahoma State crowd really has no impact on what the OU crowd looks like. With all peace and love.
0: i right, take a timeout. We'll get the NFL picks next. Welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh on Plank. We're at Cabin's Construction on a Thursday, 405-573-3048. That's 405-573-3048 on Twitter, at KREF Sports, uh, at Josh on Ref. I'm at Plank Show, and everybody should be following us uh, at at Buzz Tulsa at 947 The Ref, KREF Sports. We got you covered. Tonight is the start of the NFL season. So... If you allow us a segment, we'd like to go on record with some National Football League picks. Now, I understand that we're in an era where there is all kinds of ways in which you can wager on these games, right? Uh, You can go across the border to Kansas now, and you're able to wager on things, right? You can go... Gosh, you could drive up to Illinois, and you're able to wager. But this is strictly for show bragging purposes. And I will admit, we made picks on Sunday night, and I think I've changed my mind on a few. So, are you ready to roll, Josh Helmer?
1: Sorry, yes. I, I know I we have ready a delay, but is it
0: really that long?
1: No, it's not that long. I'm sorry. I... I'm trying to get organized musically. (laughs) I I am ready. Yes.
0: (laughs) Okay, let's do it. And since tonight features the defending Super Bowl champions, and because we have a reason to pay attention in the NFC West in our NFL preview slash prediction on this, this. The Thursday, which brings back the National Football League, Josh, NFC West, who you got?
1: Well, first off, I can't wait to see this game tonight. I am so excited for Rams. bills is our delay be, that long? It should be fabulous. It's uh, it's, it's a delay. <laughs> what 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 can you say? I, I'm sticking with the Rams to win this okay. division. Okay. I'm sticking with the Rams to win this division, though. uh, Obviously, it's one of the best divisions in football. It's either this or the AFC West for best divisions in the National Football League. I think the Rams win the NFC West. It's going to be hotly contested. I just, I'm, I'm reserved a little bit to see fully what the quarterback situation looks like in San Francisco. Still like Arizona a lot, but I'm sticking with the Super Bowl champs to win that division for now. Uh oh! And now we have officially dropped off with Plank, which uh, I, I didn't realize. <laughs> I didn't realize that had happened until just then. Yeah, the NFL season it does get kicked off tonight. We'll get Plank back here momentarily. Uh, I, I don't know. Should I rifle through picks without him? I guess. I guess I can. And then as soon as he's back, we'll we'll get his picks as well. NFC West, I think, uh, is one of the most fascinating divisions.
0: All right. Okay, you're
1: back. I, I was
0: filibustering. Well, cha- I changed. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I changed hotspots. Uh, I brought a hotspot with me, and I just threw—literally, I just threw a Verizon hub across the room. So I may have to buy us a new one. <laughs> sorry, not sorry.
1: Understood.
0: My gosh. Um, okay, so you're going with the Rams in the NFC West. This is not going to be very fun. I'm taking the Rams too, but I have a bold prediction for the NFC West, Josh Helmer. You ready? Yeah. I think the Cardinals are going to be the second place team. I think Arizona is going. I think Arizona is going to start this season 0 and 2. I think they're going to lose the opener to KC tomorrow, Sunday, excuse me, and I think they're going to lose to the Raiders next week. But I think they're going to be really good. Uh, I like the running game. Um, I actually like what they've got defensively under Vance Joseph once again. So Arizona's kind of my sleeper pick. Now, let's not forget Arizona last year was one of the last undefeated teams, right? They were one of the last undefeated teams in the NFL. Um, but I'm, go- I'm going with the Rams to win that division. All right, let's just kind of head across the board here from the NFC West to the NFC South, where Baker is back and he's a Carolina Panther. Um, there is a lot of love for New Orleans. Peter King picked New Orleans to be the one seed in the NFC and play in the NFC Championship game. To that I would ask, do teams and predictors know that Dennis Allen is now their head coach and not Sean Pate? So I don't want to take Tampa just because I love Tom Brady, but I'm worried about that offensive line. I don't think Atlanta's there yet. So Josh – Give me Carolina to win the NFC South this year. There's a shocker for you. Yes. I'm taking the Panthers. I'm taking the Panthers to win the division.
1: I would love to see it. I don't think Carolina's good enough to make that happen across the board, though I think they got a chance to be – in the mix for a playoff berth. I'm not expecting that to happen either. I do think this division comes down to New Orleans and Tampa. And I'm sorry. I'm going to take Tom Brady and his weapons over Jameis Winston in New Orleans. Minus I hear Payton. you.
0: Did you hear that Jameis Winston soundbite that made the rounds last night? No. Well, what did he say? Uh, well, well, we'll get in the top five stories of the day. I don't want to get too bogged down here, but let's just say it's, it's the best way I can describe it, Jameis and Jameis. All right, Josh, you start NFC North. We know who's been the stars of the NFC North for basically the last ever. It's been the Packers. Is there anything that could change your opinion this year?
1: No, nothing changes my opinion. Uh, Aaron Rodgers rules the roost in the NFC North. I like the Vikings a little bit. Bears, I mean, obviously, they need Justin Fields to improve dramatically, so we'll see if any of that happens for them. I'm not ready to say that it does. It's Green Bay until proven otherwise, which I was uh, surprised that this line with him traveling to Minnesota is as small as it is.
0: Really? Uh, Okay, here's what's happening, and I don't know how it's happening. People are falling in love. With Minnesota. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a new head coach. I don't know if people have started to realize that maybe Kirk Cousins isn't terrible. But, yeah, only a point and a half. And let's remember, Green Bay did lay an egg in their opener last year. So maybe that's taken into consideration, too. I I, I don't know. But I'm with you. I, I don't see any way it can't be the Packers in this division. All right. Staying in the NFC, our final division, the NFC East. I'll just tell you right now, I, I am a believer in the Cowboys. I think that the Giants are going to be better than people are giving them credit for. I I like Brian Dable a lot, and I am a little bit concerned that he's not calling plays. <laughs> it's like you got hired as the head coach, and they brought you in to figure out whether or not Daniel Jones is a good quarterback, and you're supposed to be the guy calling plays, and you're not calling plays. Um I'm not a big believer in the commanders doing anything. A lot of people are liking Philly, and last year they thought they were going to be the worst team in the NFL. I like Philly, too. I like A.J. Brown, but I like Dallas just a little bit more, so give me the Cowboys.
1: I know. I'm in the same boat, and I feel terrible doing it because Dallas rarely gives you reason to believe that that is the direction you should go. I think this is a two-postseason bid division. So, I like Dallas to win the division. I think Philly's going to the playoffs. Uh, other wild card teams, by the way, out of the NFC, Arizona and San Fran out of the West, I think both get in as well.
0: I have that. I have Arizona, San Fran, and then I think it's going to be a heck of a battle between the Bucks, the Saints, maybe the Vikings, but yeah, I think we're pretty much lockstep on the NFC. All right, Josh, let's start with the other team that's playing tonight in the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, almost unanimous across the board yesterday. All the NFL network talking heads picked the Bills to go to the Super Bowl, and I think most of them to win it. Which way are you going with the AFC East? Yeah, I can't wait to
1: see what Tyreek Hill's addition means for Miami. Tua Bailoa, look, I'm going to need to see more of it to believe it, that all of a sudden his accuracy is as good or better than Patrick Mahomes and that Miami is a serious factor in this division. I like Mac Jones in the direction New England is going. I don't know that I'm ready to say that Mac Jones is turning into anything close to what Tom Brady that partnership was like with Bill Belichick long-term. I do think that New England in the mix, wildcard-type team. I'm kind of in the same location with Miami. I'm not ready to say that that's a bona fide playoff team just yet. It's, it's Buffalo. That's the surefire uh, winner of this division. I think, yeah, absolutely, they're in the mix for an AFC Championship-type bid and uh, a Super Bowl appearance, perhaps.
0: Same. Yeah, I, I like him a lot, too. I do think – I was looking. I was looking at their schedule – And I know that mindset. Well, if you're a good team, you don't need to worry about your schedule, blah, blah, blah. But they've got a wild stretch uh, late in the season. No, no, no. Is it late in the season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got their divisional game against Miami. They go to Chicago, who might be out by then. But they wrap things up by going to Cincinnati and then home against New England. So uh, that middle season stretch that I was talking about. How about this for a four-week stretch? And let's add a fifth, just depending on what Miami might might—might oh, might do this year. They go to Miami. They've got Baltimore on the road. They take on Pittsburgh at home. Then they travel to Kansas City before a home game against Green Bay. That is a brutal stretch. But I like Buffalo as well. To the AFC North, Josh, I find this to be one of the more compelling divisions. Does Cincinnati backslide a bit? What what do we make of Pittsburgh? You know, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record, and it seems like they're sticking with Mitch Trubisky, and can the contract talks be a distraction for the Ravens? I like the Steelers a lot this year, but I'm taking the Ravens to win the division. How about you?
1: Oh, man, we're, we're lockstep here. Ravens, by the way, are my uh, oh. survivor pick this week over the Jets. In case anybody's looking for a king of the mountain survivor, <laughs> you're not, you're not like- trusting
0: the Raven. Are you trusting the Ravens against um, Joe Flacco this yeah. weekend? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yep, <laughs> yep. 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 So uh, Ravens, I think, are winning this AFC North
1: division. Uh, the Bengals, to me, playoff team. Playoff team, obviously, went to the Super Bowl a year ago. I do think they take a mild step backwards, and uh, Baltimore wins this division.
0: All right, which way are you leaning in the AFC South?
1: Tennessee. I'm still sticking with Tennessee atop this division. Intrigued by Indianapolis. I'm not ready to say that they're winning this division. I'd like to see some progress in Jacksonville. Obviously now year two for Trevor Lawrence, so I'm curious how much progress they can make there. Indianapolis, you know, a lot of people feel like potentially – could contend for the AFC South. I don't think that they win it. Wild card to contender, maybe for Indianapolis, but I'm sticking with the Titans.
0: I don't know what to make of of the Colts. I really don't. I is Frank Reich a really good coach? Yeah, I think so. But is Matt Ryan just needing to get away from Atlanta and have a few more weapons? Uh, and Pittman, what he could potentially be as a number one receiver. You know, how much trouble is Indianapolis in if they can't get Jonathan Taylor going? Uh, unfortunately, Josh, this isn't very good sports talk radio. Because you and I agree on the east, north, and south. And I think we're going to agree on the west because as much as it pains me to say it, I think you got to make it seven straight. I love what the Raiders and Chargers did this off season. I think Denver is going to be a problem. I think there's a chance that all three playoff teams could come from the AFC West, but I also think there's a chance that one of these four stumbles. Uh, But I'll guarantee this much, that one of the four is not going to be the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes still plays there. Andy Reid's still the head coach. They did some nice things in addressing defensive needs in the draft this offseason. So I'm taking KC to win the AFC West, begrudgingly. Taking KC to win the West.
1: I'm also begrudgingly taking the Kansas City Chiefs to win the AFC West.
0: (laughs) I think uh,
1: two other teams from this division are headed to the playoffs. I think both the Chargers and the Raiders are getting uh, wild card berths. Nope, I'm not there with the Denver Broncos. Not yet.
0: I'm with you. I think Chargers, Raiders, Bengals. um, I think the Steelers are going to be close. I think Cincinnati. I, everyone that's like, oh, you picking Cincinnati to not bounce back this year, that's, how dare you? You know what, what a lack of respect. They're over, under with six and a half wins last year, okay, peeps? And let's calm down. They won the, they made the playoffs with a 10 and seven record, which was the same record as the Raiders and the, uh, oh, did I do? on the Patriots last year. So well, it's not like the Bengals are coming off a 12 and five season or 13 and four.
1: And they caught a little bit of magic late throughout that postseason run and nearly won a Super Bowl, right? Nearly won a world championship out of that push. But now all of a sudden, welcome to the schedule ramping up a little bit. And how can you handle that for the entirety of a season? We're about to find out.
0: So there is our picks. I've got – I know Gary's going to join us coming up in 10 minutes agree disagree 405-329-9000 Riverwind Casino Jackpot line 405-651-3439 Air Comfort Solutions text line I will add this Josh 3 3 wild predictions um, I think you got one of them I think Carolina is going to be really good I think Carolina is going to be really good in that NFC North I think they're going to be our – Yeah no NFC South excuse me number South, 2 yes <laughs> I think two teams yeah, make sure I get it right. I think two teams that are chronic losers are going to have really good seasons this year. And by really good, I think they could be an eight or maybe even nine win team. I think that Houston is going to be better than advertised. I love their rookie quarterback, our rookie running back, and um, I think the Jets are going to be a little bit better than advertised. I think that they're going to be a bit of a problem. I'm not buying into this. Detroit Lions are going to be okay. I think y'all are just caught up in the drunkenness of of, of hard knocks. So there's two, and then the third. Third thing that I'll throw out, I think the person that wins the MVP this year is going to be someone that we're not talking about very much. Uh, every year the MVP conversation is Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson has emerged the last few years. But I think this might be the year where it's a non-quarterback that we end up looking at and saying, whoa, whoa. What what a difference that made, or what a season he had. I think it could be in Carolina with Christian McCaffrey. I think it could be in Vegas with Devontae Adams. I think it could potentially, I think it could potentially even be Josh in Dallas with a Ceedee Lamb. Receivers don't win the MVP. It's always a quarterback win. But I just feel like we'll be happy. maybe it's Tyreek Kill in the way that Miami uses him. I don't know. But you look at year-to-year-to-year and the the MVP winner, which I usually don't care about, but it's kind of wild. When was the last time a non-quarterback won the MVP award? Good question. I don't know. Good trivia for you here. 2012, Adrian Peterson. Ah,
1: wow. Yeah, so a decade ago when AD won it. You know, out of all of those wide receivers, skill guys that could win it, Tyree Kill, I think, does have the best case yeah, I know. to win it because he's going to get a lion's share of the credit if all of a sudden Miami is the AFC East champion, if they unseat buffalo a little bit and oh by the way he has 1300 yards receiving and a bunch of touchdowns i mean he's going to be instead of Tua getting the credit it's going to be tyree kills a that gets the credit so he, he's going to have a chance if he's great and if uh miami obviously can win that division or be right in the thick of it
0: do you know how many wide receivers have won the mvp award <laughs> it's zero
1: is that right? Yeah. Never never Randy uh, Moss or, oh, well, or I'm Jerry sorry. Rice?
0: Jerry Rice won the Pro Foot the PFWA MVP in like nineteen uh let's see year. What year was that? I was just trying to look it up. But as far as the A P award, yeah, no. No, never happened. Unbelievable. Uh I think a kicker won it one year. But yeah, Mark Mosley won it one year somehow in nineteen eighty two. But you're going back. This has been a this has been a quarterback running back award. I think with the way this offseason season is gone, I think you're going to see some receivers that end up in this mix for the MVP of this season. Well, it's already 10:21. Man, I love the NFL. Can't wait for tonight. The number has stayed fairly consistent between the Bills and the Rams. Open with the Bills as a one point favorite. It's now at two and a half over under this evening of 52. Can't wait. It wasn't too homeristic, right? I didn't take. I mean, taking the Panthers to win the division, you might say it's a little bit homeristic with Baker, uh, and i and I've came off what I originally thought. I originally thought Tampa would win that division, but we agreed on every single division but one. No, no, two, two, two. No, no,
1: to win the North. I'm I'm sorry, you cut out on me there. Who for the North?
0: Um, did you take the Ravens to win the North?
1: I did. Yes.
0: Okay, so we only disagreed on one. Is <laughs> it a NFL predictable? I'm tired of covering sport where the same team in all the time. I can't talk about college football. Literally, the exact same vision. Everyone pretty much has the same thing. All right, we're back to put a wrap uh, on some NFL talk next. We did go a lot of chalk, you're right. I'm getting called out for so many chalky picks. (laughs) Is it like just chopping up like crazy on this connection or something? Is that what's wrong?
1: i would really just at the end of that Uh, last bit. I mean, the rest of it was good.
0: Brian, is Chris Plank secretly Optimus Prime? I got a Max Hedrum uh, shot. I don't know what's going on. Have we we thought? I mean, because T.J. or Toby's had this problem, right? And everyone blames Toby. This problem's happening here. Everyone's blaming me. I mean, if we pointed the finger at ourselves, Josh? Just kidding.
1: Uh, no, down. and okay. I will accept zero blame this morning. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was there was there any of the divisions for you that you kind of wavered on at all?
1: Yes, the I mean, both of the West divisions, the NFC West, the AFC West. You you wonder there if. You know, obviously San Francisco or Arizona, I think either one could win the NFC West. And then really anybody in the AFC West could win that division. I've got Denver missing the playoffs, and they might win that division. I mean, if that gives you any indication on kind of how that division is stacking up, the AFC North – I feel like, again, you've got two teams in both Baltimore and Cincinnati that, yeah, I mean, look, we're both predicting a little bit of a fallback for Cincinnati, but Joe Burrow's great, right? That was, you know, set of wide receivers is great. So the idea that they could win that division and get back to the Super Bowl, I don't think that's going to super shock anybody if that's how this thing plays out. So, yeah, there's a couple out there.
0: I am not a big believer in Denver. I almost feel like I'm tired of having Denver crammed down my throat the last few years, but you watch. They'll probably go out and ball out the first few weeks. You know it is? It is kind of wild, though. You start looking at schedules, and a team like Denver is probably going to get off to a pretty good start, right? The Broncos opening two weeks are at Seattle, whom I think we all agree is not necessarily at its best roster-wise, and then the following week they play Houston which is better, but I think still a work in progress. That Houston game is at home. Now it gets infinitely tougher the next three weeks, or four weeks with San Francisco, the Raiders, Indianapolis, and the Chargers, but uh, they've got a chance to make a pretty big early statement with winnable games. I'm really – I'm also interested – I know we got money to talk about it, but Russ going back to Seattle is going to be interesting on Monday night. So as far as local guys, we're keeping an eye on, obviously Baker and Carolina – uh, Kyler got paid this offseason in Arizona, so we'll see how he handles it. And, I don't know, it, it, I'm having a hard time balancing these expectations that are through the roof in Philadelphia. Because I feel like last year, last year, Josh, it was, it was the feeling and the idea that th- they weren't going to be a very good football team. And uh, I won't lie to you. I, was kind of on board with it. It was like, eh, you know, that's not a very good football team. And they ended up making the playoffs. But I don't – I mean, did, did suddenly their coach become a little less crazy? Did Jalen become a little bit more accurate? Does A.J. Brown make that much of a difference? There are – in fact, so the the expectations are so high – Listen to Travis Kelsey's brother, Jason, talk about uh, heightened expectations and kind of what they mean around Philadelphia Eagles camp right now. When the
4: expectations are high. You, you you tend to let little things go. You tend you know, After a win, the tape gets assessed differently. After a loss, you know, the tape gets critical very, very much because people start feeling it. You have to improve everything when you lose. When you win, it's like, oh, you know, was that a bad play? And those 50-50, you know, eh go a little bit by the wayside and i think that when you're expected to do well organizationally player wise team wise coaching wise all of those little things start to be like "Eh, you know we'll get that fixed whereas when the expectation is low it's like we got to fix everything right now otherwise we're getting fired otherwise people are going to be out on the streets i think we got enough older guys around this building whether it's executives or coaches or players to understand that expectations are just that they're nothing you know the moment you're comfortable in this league uh somebody's coming for you you know mr t and rocky three you know he's going to be hunting us every single week and we haven't won nothing yet so we're not even the champion so we better work off <laughs>
0: that's amazing how good hey, is jason kelts tell me how you really feel about heightened expectations this season for the eagles uh you know what we could probably play that on a loop every single year for for college football and the national football. Yeah. All right. Go ahead.
1: Save that clip. That that's so good. <laughs> it just let's revisit that once a week moving forward.
0: <laughs> uh hey, I um I heard from a I heard from a little birdie the other day about North uh, Nebraska Josh and it's kind of funny because I I had a little birdie reach out this morning too. It's um I'm really excited to go to Lincoln next week, but I, I wonder if things go south and they're not going to fire Scott Frost right away. But I can't help but wonder if things go south against Oklahoma as we get back to college football here on the ref. Could the OU game be the last game that Scott Frost's coaches in against any team in Football. I, don't so. I, I don't think
1: so. Could that be it? I don't think so. There's seven and a half million reasons why that will not be the final game for Scott Frost. After October first, boom, buyout. It's cut in half. So I just think probably we're going to see Nebraska wait until then. I know boosters have a way of, hey, let's get this done right here, right now. I just think, you know, fiscally it just doesn't make much sense to not just wait two more weeks and then make the
0: change. Mm, Gotcha. You want to get a call in real quick before we take a break on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line?
1: Let's hear from the people. Let's bring in uh, Jason. Jason, what's up? Good morning.
2: Hi, good morning, guys. Um,
5: What's the situation with Wanyan Morris? Um, Was it academics? Do we know? Or when is he coming back? Kind of thing.
0: Um, good question, and I think a fair one. Do we know... I'm sorry, stupid delay. <laughs> Josh, you want to take this before I throw more equipment? Can I just do... Can I do every show from in-studio? Can we just do this? All? Gary can come in and hang out with me for like three hours if he wants. Um, what do we know right now? Not much. Except from what uh, from what Brent Venable said the other day, which is uh, they're working through some things that it's Probably sooner rather than later. I think, Josh, it's fair to say that all the inclination, all the rumors had been that it was going to be a two-game deal. Uh, some had theorized, and maybe there were some academic issues. Other, obviously, we know that he he settled his issue that he had with uh, with being turned over to collections for his rent and basically being evicted. And those were all public filings, so you can find those anywhere. But yeah, I I, I think we're looking at sooner rather than later. But, again, I don't think we're going to see him on Saturday, right, Josh?
1: Yeah, no, we're not expecting Wanye Morris uh, on Saturday versus Kent State. It's kind of been, again, not officially stated by Brent Venables or Oklahoma, but sort of for whatever reason the rumblings have been, it's probably a two-game suspension for Wanye Morris. So I don't know necessarily how or why those rumblings have sort of come out, but – you know, Brent Vittables was also asked this week, Jason, when Wanye Morris is back, is he going to have a legitimate chance to compete for that starting job? And Brent Vittables said, absolutely. So we're kind of, this is not officially from Brent Vittables, but the belief out there is probably that Wanye Morris is back next week and could start as early as next week for Oklahoma for a number of issues that uh, have happened away from football, as a couple that Plank mentioned, and then. Sort of the rumor out there as well was that maybe he missed something with the tutor over the course of the summer. So, again, that's not substantiated. That's just sort of some of the stuff that you hear out there. Anyways, Jason, hey, appreciate
0: the phone call, buddy.
1: All right. Thanks. How about that? We navigated through playing. I
0: think they need him. I think that's one. (laughs) I love your calls, man. It's just, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why there is this hate for our connection today. That doesn't happen out here that often, does it? One word, Cavins?
1: I'm scared to reply, but no, yeah, it typically it does. does not happen.
0: All right. Quick break. Gary's gonna join us next. I am I'm, I'm with the caller though. What's going on there? You know, will we is there a chance that, you know, if, if Bryn Venable says sooner rather than later, then maybe they magically reappear? We'll get into it uh, as the show rolls on right here on the ref. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Plank Show. We're hanging out with our man, Gary Cabins, from Caven's Construction on a Thursday, as we typically do. Busy, huh? That's the word of the day, right? Busy. It is
5: busy. We like it busy. That's good.
0: That's good. Um, you know, it was interesting over the week. We saw that crazy amount of rain on Thursday. I think it was literally Thursday night as soon as we left there. It just started pouring. Um, but that's um, it's great because our grass needs it, our plants need it. But it's also uh quite frightening because you might find out oh no we haven't had this much rain in a while my gutters need to be cleared out i got holes in my roof here or there and then if you don't pay attention to it it could lead to mold so rain is is a blessing because we need it but gary it can also sound off some warning sirens too
5: it can most definitely you know we're, we're seeing a lot of people that haven't fixed their roofs yet from the uh, hellstorm that was almost a year and a half ago um and You know, it's one of those things going into winter. Let's you want to have somebody come out and check it and make sure it's squared away because one thing that we're seeing is a lot of people having mold issues because of them not um, taking care of the roofs, not getting them repaired. People are just waiting because they thought there might be another hailstorm this year, or you know, another fall hailstorm which happened last year. Um, So there's a lot of reasons why they haven't. had the roofs inspected or repaired, um, or replaced. Uh, but now's the time to do it before you get into environmental issues inside your home, such as mold and all that kind of stuff, because it it happens and we're seeing it left and right with all the rain we've had recently. Um, and so we've had a significant amount of mold testing mold investigation calls that we've gone out and looked at and helped resolve these issues. And, you know, so just, R- roof is the number one cause of mold issues that I'm seeing right this second. The second cause is water intrusion that is coming into the business or the home um, through tilt wall panels or just all kinds of different things. So it's, it's, um, if you have any kind of water intrusion, whether it's through the roof, through an exterior wall under a door, windows, whatever, that can cause mold issues in your home. Uh, So it's always good, home or business, so it's always good to have somebody come out and uh, inspect this stuff and find out what's going on.
0: Now, we were talking about the one-stop shop for a lot of things within your home. Uh, Air duct cleaning, carpet cleaning, hardwood floor cleaning, dryer vent cleaning, tile cleaning, Uh, You've got all kinds of ways in which you can really help make the, especially for someone if you have a someone like myself who's very allergic to everything that possibly exists. You can take care of just about any of that, can't you?
5: Yes, Um, yeah. We're you know our environmental side is. Just outstanding. They do a great job day in, day out. We're really um, proud of what they do, and we're proud of our continuing education program that we have here at CAVENS. We call it the CAVENS Academy, and, um, you know, we go through everything, and once they've completed their hours and their training, they even get, you know, certificates and everything, uh, their certifications for what they you know what they're doing on the environmental side and it's just a continual training uh for me and Jessica V uh VT we're always uh taking classes uh traveling to classes taking online classes uh, developing our skills and our abilities, and we're continuing to develop our uh, our team's skills and abil- abilities on the environmental side. So, you know, um, our core deal is the air duct cleaning, carpet cleaning, hardwood floor cleaning, dryer vent cleaning, tile cleaning, uh, dumpster rentals. Um, you know, and we... We can help you with all that, but we're also here if there's an emergency. We're here for mold testing, mold removal, emergency water extraction. If you have a water leak, whether that is a sewage backup that's backing up into your home, a plumbing pipe that is broke, a faucet that's piped, or a hose connected to a fridge that, for the water line or something that's broke, any kind of water that's kind of flooded your house, uh, give us a call. We can get the water out. We can get the sheetrock dry. We can get the uh, the wood dry, we can get everything dry and back to the way it was before, uh, before it becomes a mold issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you, you know, when you have water intrusion or water flooding or a water, uh, emergency, you know, you want to get it out as soon as possible. So it doesn't become a mold issue, uh, which will affect your health. Um, you know, and then we have the fire remediation, restoration, trauma cleanup, um, you know, just give us a call. We can help on the environmental side. Just remember, if you have a water leak, time is important, so make us your first call as quickly as possible. We have people on call in emergency trucks for wa- emergency water extraction and structural drying available and ready to go
0: 24-7, 365. 405-573-3048 or online at com. All right. You haven't had a chance to really immerse yourself in Sooner football, have you? What's What's been your thoughts after the game one of the Brent Venables era?
5: I'm excited. I'm am excited. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for the season. I'm ready to you know just let's go. Let's get this going. Let's get through this season, and let's just see how awesome this is going to be for everybody. Yeah, man. Thanks,
0: Gary. Appreciate it. Good stuff yeah. as always. Thank Gary, you, Gary Cavins. Cavins Construction. Call them today at 573-3048. Quick break. When we come back, we'll get your text next on the Plank Show. <laughs> All right, we'll go back into the plank show. We're on the road for a Thursday. Hang with our crew over here at Cavens, cavensconstruction.com, 573-3048. That's 405-573. Three zero four eight. What'd you say? You have volleyball tonight? Is that right?
1: I do. Yes. Crosstown clash of volleyball from out there, the madhouse on Main Street in Norman, Oklahoma. So, it'll be cool. It'll be fun. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, football tomorrow night.
0: I am immersing myself in the NFL game tonight. Um, I'm not going to get on Twitter during it. I'm just going to be a fan. I'm just going to watch it. I'm not going to need everyone's crappy takes uh, mid-game, which you know what happens, right, as soon as the Bills score their first touchdowns. I like, told you. Told you that this team was something special like three minutes ago in the first quarter. Ugh. And I, I made that mistake in week zero too, Josh. That was, I made that mistake in week zero with college football. But NFL kicks off tonight. Speaking of week zero, uh, let's do it. This This has been sent to us many times today. So let's just bring it up off the Air Comfort Solutions text on I think uh Kindle, who sometimes I wonder if Kindle listens to the show, and other times I'm pretty sure he's dialed it. Um but Nick Saban apparently just realized that horns down was a penalty. Um now I don't know if this was a little bit of sarcasm, but listen to this from his presser. Yeah, uh, this- Clarified this offseason that the horns down hand gesture would be a penalty. What, have you addressed that with the team going into this game? What, what's that? The horns down hand gesture could be a 15 yard penalty.
6: I have not addressed it with the team, but I appreciate you letting me know that. So, you know, we got a lot of other things we need to really worry about, but I think that's a good thing for me to go over with the team, so I appreciate that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, uh, for the 918, can we admit that a media member just saved Bama a 15-yard penalty? I think that was Ari Wasserman, was it not? I think that was Ari who asked that question. <laughs> oh, yes, Josh, credit needs to be given to Ari or whatever a media member asked that question because let's face it. You know that a that an Alabama player was just waiting to flash that horns down after a TD, right?
1: Yeah, I think Nick Saban knew, don't you? I mean, I I I think that he knew, and I, I don't know. I just kind of got the impression, even listening to that, that Nick Saban was like, "Hey, let me do my job. I don't need tips from any of you, you nincompoops." <laughs>
0: I don't need you people trying to help me out to do my job right now. Um, We brought up this game. Here's one. Horns are capable of upsetting Bama if the tide can't stop B-John from scoring. Horns could win by seven at home. Meanwhile, Kendall drops Bama 63, Texas 13. (laughs) Listen, if it's sixty-three to thirteen, there might be some serious conversations about Sark's job in the short term. hashtag Just saying.
1: That would uh, also that um, would be a safe one point for Josh Elmer and the Ref Royal Rumble. So I, I'm totally down with that scoreline.
0: You want a wild stat? You want a wild note from this game? Did we, we're, we're we're good on breaks, right? We're not like ridiculously behind, are we? Yeah,
1: no, you're good.
0: Okay, I just had a panic when I saw what time it was. Joey Helmer joining us after the top of the hour. Texas has won seven of their nine games against Alabama in the all-time series. It's the first time the two teams have met since the 2010 BCS. Now, here's you might say, wow, that's pretty wild. Well, Texas and Alabama are playing just their fourth regular season game and their first since... 1922. <laughs> the last two meetings took place in Austin in 1915 and 1922, with the very first taking place in Tuscaloosa in 1902. So uh, Texas was riding a three-game winning streak, in and, and these are – Again, that was regular season games. They hadn't met in the regular season since 1922. Texas was carrying a three-game winning streak into the BCS championship game in 2010. They'd beaten Alabama in the Orange Bowl and twice in the Cotton Bowl, the Orange Bowl in 65, the Cotton Bowl in 72, and 82. But, yeah, there you go. Um, College game day is back, too. And I, and I know there's that balance between is it bigger to have game day or big noon kick or whatever it is. Uh, this is the eighth appearance for game day in Austin, and Texas is 5-2 and two in those games. All right, this is a good trivia question, Josh. When was the last time game day was in Austin? Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID – Last time game
1: day was in Austin
0: for Texas Notre Dame, Texas LSU two thousand and nineteen. Ah. Ah, 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 ah. The which which ended up being a heck of a game. Um, total appearance for game day nineteenth for the University of Texas. So there you go. Couple of quick notes heading into that Saturday. Texas-Alabama game, which I think is going to be absolutely fascinating. All right, when we come back, let's drill deep into Oklahoma and Kent State. I mentioned that did a little digging on Kent State last night, learned a little bit more about what the Golden Flashes are going to bring to town, so we'll kind of dive into their depth chart and what we might see on Saturday, plus a complete preview of the rest of the Big 12 slate with our man from OUinsider.com, Joey Homer He's been at every press conference. He's been at every player and media avail. Joey Helmer, big brother, joins us next live from Cavens on the Plank Show. Plank. Uh, we're going to have Joey Helmer coming up here in Miramar. Is Joey ready?
1: Uh, yeah, he will be as soon as I call him.
0: Oh, righty. Hour three uh, of the Plank Show always features our Newcastle Casino top five stories of the day. We delay it on Thursday so we can talk to Joey Helmer at 11 a.m. So we'll hit some NFL notes. Um, anyways, I, Kent State is such a fascinating team to me, and I brought this up earlier. If Kent State was playing UTEP. I I think that Kent State would be considered the team that I would look at as the favorite. But they've got a new starting quarterback. They've obviously they're not messing around in the non-conference this year. Uh, We learned that was their previous athletic director's philosophy. So yeah, you might see something a little bit different from them going forward. But uh, as as Joey Helmer joins us from OUInsider.com, uh, good morning, Joey. Uh, Kent State, interesting challenge for Oklahoma. Now, I thoroughly and, and completely and totally expect OU to roll in this game, and they should, but it's a different challenge because of what they do defensively. They they rush three and drop eight, and it's something Oklahoma's going to see quite a bit.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, it's another good – Um, early challenge when you look and I've said this to a few people throughout the course of the week um, in these kinds of games you hope that you can get something out of them and um, certainly I uh, agree with um, obviously it wasn't a a great defensive performance for them against Washington but uh, you could see them um, attacking still late when they were uh, out of the game and so um, you figure that, yeah, there, there's going to be a challenge here. And you look back to last week, and um, I thought, again, when you're overmatching your opponent, I think, make no mistake about it, that the line kind of chose for itself. Um, Oklahoma was going to win that game easily and, and should win this weekend easily as well. But uh, you hope coming out of those games that – you see something that maybe you see some of your deficiencies right. they're exposed a little bit and i felt like um that there were a couple of those that i saw last weekend which is uh, you know everyone listening is kind of like well you know we, we want things to be perfect well no you know you you want to see the areas that you're going to be exposed by other teams that you play and so uh, i i thought at times oklahoma needed to protect a little bit better in the passing game and um, i also thought there were some times where maybe they didn't cover as good as they need to be covering so those were a couple of things and um, i expect i can't state to challenge them in some of those ways again this weekend
0: so let's talk about what seemed to become a very interesting conversation this week joey helmer joins us ouinsider.com it 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 In the conversation about that hurry up, fast paced offense, and the defense that can kind of work in conjunction with it. You know, we saw two series where the Sooners went three and out in the first half, and I think a lot of people kind of panicked a bit, but then OU came out and just grinded out a big drive to wrap up the first half and went into halftime and can complete control. I felt like what Brent Venables had to say about, you know, he's not going to allow that fast paced offense be an excuse for his defense, is he?
2: Yeah, and that's a good thing. I think that's exactly what you want to hear. I mean, look, it's <laughs> – what he said, the reality of it, I mean, it's true. You, you know, what what's the problem if you come out and score fast a couple of times versus uh, you take a couple of long drives or whatever? It's still 14 to nothing. And, you know, you're <laughs> – as the defense, Ted Rufus said this as well. Your job is to come out there and get stops, regardless of if you've been out there uh, or or been on the sideline for a minute or been on the sideline for half a quarter. and so uh, that that comes back again to me to a mentality thing uh, in this program. It's like we're we're not going to let any kind of excuses uh, seep in here. <laughs> So you know what, my guys are tired. Well, the job is still the same. It's to go out there and get stops, regardless of when I'm called upon.
0: Anything kind I didn't get a chance to listen yet um, to a lot of the player availability. Anything that kind of jumped out at you from uh, what the players had to say after week one, and it seemed like a constant a constant theme was, "Hey, we're stripping it back down to the studs, and we're kind of kind of just not really." I mean you're going to take stuff from it but you're not over your, the 24 hour rule seems to be very much in effect with this team. Yeah,
2: I think that's it. You know, that's that's and that's a hu- that's no small thing. I think that's a huge thing. You you have to live week by week. I talk about some of the things that uh, were exposed a little bit for Oklahoma and uh, yeah, then you strip it back down and, and you attack those things. And so Uh, That stood out. I I thought it was interesting as well getting some more of uh, Dylan Gabriel's perspective on uh, being out there for his first start and um, kind of how he was able to take everything in. You you can tell this is a guy that doesn't take his situation for granted. And so um, I I think that's one reason the the team has really rallied around him. They see how much he appreciates – his situation you know Josh talked about it yesterday that uh, this is a guy that um he did so on his uh, podcast uh, this is a guy that w- was going to go to Army uh, to play college football and now here he is the starting quarterback at the University of Oklahoma so uh, getting some of that perspective has been interesting this week and uh, again like you said they're, they're stripping it down they're getting after it and they're really taking a week-by-week approach, which I think is a good thing.
0: Hey, Joey, w- what are you hearing about Wanya Morris? We had a call earlier. It's not I don't want to say it's been quiet, but Brent answered it earlier this week and said sooner rather than later. Are we still looking at it as a possibility to get him in the, for the Nebraska game?
2: Yeah, I, I think I, I had heard it was going to be a couple of games. Um, we'll, we'll see if it ends up being exactly that. So uh, they're working through things. I, I did think it was in, encouraging that Brent said he's he's been out there at practice. That he, like you said, think it's uh, sooner rather than later. And as I project down the line, it would be nice to have him for that Nebraska game, but it would certainly be really nice to have him the next week against Kansas State uh, when that game's going to go a real physical, you know, beat him down in the trenches kind of game. So uh, we'll we'll see. Hopefully they're able to work through that and uh, get him back sooner than later. They are going to need him in some of these games going forward.
1: So we've all had these thoughts coming into this season of what Oklahoma would look like, who their top players and performers on both sides of the football would be. So now that you've got one game of evidence in the books – What's one positive that you think you know about Oklahoma with uh, the UTEP game in the books and then kind of flip that around? And what's something that now all of a sudden maybe you already were concerned but now you're more concerned about after last week?
2: Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, You you know, I'm very confident in what Oklahoma's going to do offensively. I I think there were – a couple of three and outs there in the first half um, and things kind of got bogged down, but they got back on track. They, you know, scored some points and then imposed their will late, but were able to, you know, kind of finish off the game. So uh, I, I think I, I just, it, it's the collection of players, playmakers that Oklahoma has. Uh, you look at uh, Eric Gray in the backfield and Marcus major. I thought, it was really encouraging seeing uh, what he did the other night. So uh, I, I feel really good about them just as a collective unit. And then um, I, I guess if you had to, to pinpoint a concern, it'd be a couple of those things that i mentioned. Uh, I, I do think the offensive line will get it together, but uh, they have to be better in, in pass pro. And then I thought there were some times where uh, – you know, UTEP's quarterback actually played pretty well. I thought, and he did. There were a couple couple of times where there were throws that he made that his receivers didn't come up with, and there were plays to be made. And so, Oklahoma needs to kind of, you know, make it to where those those lanes, those avenues, those receivers aren't open in the future. So. I think that would maybe be one of the concerns, and I do expect them to get that figured out. But um, if you're putting me on the spot, those are the two glaring things I probably saw last weekend.
0: Right now with Joey Helmer, a couple more from OUinsider.com. This looks like, and I know we got, our, we got Parker Thune coming up in about, what, 45 minutes from now, but it looks like, Joey, this is going to be a big weekend on the recruiting front for the Sooners again, isn't it?
2: It is, it is, and, man, I mean, I won't give up uh, all the names, but there are, uh, yeah, yeah, there's some guys coming this weekend. Uh, there, there definitely is, and uh, I think I will say some guys that Oklahoma should feel confident about they might be getting. So it's, it's – uh, the recruiting just, I, yeah, it's it's really good right now, and uh, this, this this is an important weekend as well.
0: Caden Green, one of those names who's coming in this weekend. I will say I found it impressive that the fans kind of laid out, maybe we should start a Caden Green chant during the game. And I was like, that's brilliant. I can't believe we haven't thought of anything like that before. Um, I want to kind of dovetail off what Josh had kind of thrown out there about, hey, things you want to see improve, maybe a guy you're looking forward to. Joey, I'm really impressed. In- I'm really intrigued by seeing more of that wide receiver depth. Jeff Levy talked about maybe wanting to play a few more guys and maybe even, you know, potentially seeing that happen earlier. I think the wide receiver depth is going to be fascinating to see how quickly we dip into that on Saturday.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, You look at a guy like Jaden Gibson, who every time I've been out at practice, it's like, oh, my goodness. This kid looks nothing like a freshman. And um, you're (laughs) just – Rolling so many guys, I I feel great about the the depth at the receiver position. I I think it's a tremendous uh, position of strength for them. And um, again, that that gets back to yeah, Josh's question about what do I feel really good about uh, coming out of this first game, and we've haven't seen a number of uh, you know receivers for Oklahoma, and yet um, you feel good about what we did see so yeah there's playmakers. I'm excited to see a number of those guys too
1: obviously not Oklahoma specific and if there's something else you want to add on Oklahoma then by all means take it away and run with it but college football week zero week one in the books we're of course just a couple of days away now from week two so what what kind of uh, have been some of your just big picture college football takeaways so far
2: Gosh, um, it'd be nice to to not have an extra point blocked when you're trying to tie the game to send it <laughs> <laughs> over time. <laughs> oh, that was crazy the other night. Um, I, you know, I, I wasn't that impressed with uh, Clemson. I, I didn't get to see a ton of the afternoon games um, on Saturday, obviously, but I, I think Arkansas's win over Cincinnati was. A impressive win uh, i'll say that uh, and I, i'm very i'm intrigued to see this weekend if texas is able to put up any kind of fight against alabama um that that game obviously has all our attention what georgia did to oregon was incredibly impressive um i we'll, we'll see as time goes on is it the deal that well, maybe Oregon just isn't that good or Georgia's that good. But, man, they pounded them and um, just kind of trying to rack my brain. I I thought Notre Dame, um, it looked – I was finishing up my work during that game, and I I thought for a while that they they might win that game. I was impressed with how they hung with Ohio State on the road. So, uh, that's just a few of my takeaways, I'm sure – there's plenty of other games I'm forgetting but yeah it was it was an interesting week one and obviously there were a ton of good matchups
0: yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to rack my brains over everything I learned. Every time I think, yeah, that, that pretty much does it, I'll see another game like, you know what, Utah had a chance to beat Florida. They were throwing into the end zone to win the game when they threw the interception. So everyone that's losing their mind about Florida, remember, they made some mistakes during that game. But, yeah, fascinating Saturday. Joey, enjoy OU Kent State. A little cooler on Saturday night. Appreciate your time. We'll talk to you again soon.
2: Yep, sounds good. Thanks for having me on, guys.
0: Now you're the man. OUInsider.com at Joey Helmer two four seven. All right. When we come back, it's time to hit the top five stories of the day presented by Newcastle Casino right here on the home of Sooner fans. Look at this breaking news from the Ref Royal Rumble, Josh hand. I
3: don't
0: know if you have your phone near you. I, or no, not. I do, and
1: I see two two picks that probably aren't going to happen.
0: Uh oh. Are you doubting Toby Rowland <laughs> picking Stanford to upset USC? I hope Toby he's right. just moved right back to, hey, if anyone had any doubts about T-Row, right, whenever he's like, uh, I, I always kind of laugh because is this, I, this new equipment I can't quite figure out yet. I'm sorry, dude. But everyone that was mad whenever Toby tweeted out best of luck to Lincoln and, uh, you know, appreciate you always being – kind with your time and everyone's like mad about it. He might have just uh back to that number 1 spot by taking Stanford as his upset special. If if Josh Helmer, it's a big if. If there was any environment to speak of, any environment to speak of at at Stanford, at Palo Alto, I might I might get there. But man, there's just not I mean, even when Stanford was playing for a shot to make the BCS, no one was there. So, I don't know. I want to – If and here's the great thing. If he hits it, he probably ends up winning the whole thing because he already would have hit two locks in his first – which, by the way, I did that last year too. I hit two. Lo- I hit two upsets in my first two weeks and still finished dead last, I think. But does this open your eyes at all to the potential of Stanford upsetting USC?
1: Well, I think everybody – is hoping that that happens and you know, sort of had that earmarked as a potential loss for USC before the season. I'm going to be surprised if it happens, but that's probably the case with most upset specials, right? I mean, there's a reason it's an upset special.
0: Mm. Mm -mm -mm. What would, Oh my gosh, there's just, now my mind is racing everyone. What would they do? How would the national media handle themselves? Would they be okay? Okay. Would they be okay? You know what would immediately start, too, is the same thing that started with Utah? Well, you know, they're still alive for the playoffs. You know, they're still in this mix. Let's not rule them out quite yet. I just don't know anything about Stanford. That's, that's, I don't know what to expect from Stanford. Oh, that's, that's an enticing little bit of information that just hit here on the Ref Royal Rumble. Hmm. Dude, how, do? here's a question I have for you. Question, Josh. Hand up in the back of the room. Yes, back of the class, please. Do you you think that if that is trending in a certain direction, do you think that I'll be allowed to give that score on the MidFirst Bank scoreboard update in stadium?
1: Oh, are you kidding me? That better be every, that better be like, the whole update should just be that game.
0: I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, listen, I, I understand I'm all for the crowd pop. Okay. I'm all for the crowd going crazy, right? The, the two moments that I felt like were the most, uh, the crowd was actually in on the mid first scoreboard update, Texas losing to Maryland. That resonates from what was that? Like 18 or, or whenever it was, 19, maybe. And, when the, the Ole Miss-Arkansas had that crazy play on a fourth down and Arkansas ended up converting on, like, fourth and 15 when the dude just threw the ball behind his head. I'm here to tell you right now, if Toby Rowland's upset pick of Stanford beating USC is coming to fruition on a Saturday night, and if y'all hang with me, and nobody has to hurry up to get, what was the, the student's excuse, get to the bar so the lines aren't too deep to get your beers after the game. Then I'm going to go out on a limb and say it might be the greatest reaction we've ever had for the Mid-First Bank scoreboard update. How about this? If people, if the fans stick around this time, I'll fight to get that game on there. Now, I don't have any control over it. <laughs> I have no control whatsoever. People get mad at me. I got a text in again. It's like, oh, you just going to ignore this game? Did you not talk about it? I'm like, I, don't have, I have no control. I'm, I'm literally Ron Burgundy. They send me a script, and I pretty much read it. But, oh, could you, Josh, could you imagine Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium? Third quarter, third break, Oklahoma's up 35-3 to on Kent State. This game's well in hand. Suddenly, uh, I, I say they hand me a sheet. Suddenly I get that text, the rundown of the games, and there it is. Stanford up 10-3 on USC. Could you imagine how crazy that place would go? So you
1: do your mid-first scoreboard updates. You do two, right? Correct. Okay, so you'll have one in the second half. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yes, I can imagine. And it would be tremendous. I'm just trying to game plan myself here. OU kicks off at 6. They kick off at 6.30. Can we – can we get like a halftime update in from that game with Stanford leading? Is that a
0: possibility? Mm. Oh, here's a here's a little news too. Oklahoma Johnny. Is this old, by the way? Is it except, yeah, this is old, Johnny? It's like a day ago. What are you doing? Uh the Braxton Myers move. Decommitted from USC. Have been committed to the Trojans since May. The bad news just keeps rolling in. Hmm. And now T Rose picking Stanford for an upset. Look out. Look out. Um, all right, it's eleven twenty eight. We got work to do. Let's hustle through it, Josh. It is time for the top five stories of the day brought to you by Newcastle Casino.
1: Oh, baby, wait for it. Wait for it. We've filibustered here. Give me a second. Wait for it. Okay, here we go. Okay.
0: <laughs> Newcastle Casino, newcastlecasino.com, where real, our EEL gamers go to play, daily happy hours, daily specials. Check them out today, Newcastle Casino. Big story, number five. Number five. Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark was asked yesterday on potential future conference expansion and what schools would be additive to the Big 12? Well, I don't want to get into the specifics, and I appreciate the question. But obviously, going out west is where I would like to go, entering that fourth time zone, a program that has national recognition, one that competes at the highest level in basketball and football, stands for the right things, is a good cultural fit. Because our alignment right now and the like-mindedness of all of our member institutions is fantastic. It's never been better. So I don't want to compromise that. And that's critically important that there is the right cultural fit when you think about coming in and being a part of what we're building here. So a, a lot to unpack there, Josh. But in big story number five, I felt like he kind of hedged his bet there a little bit. Well, we're looking for this, but our camaraderie is so tight right now with the 12 that are remaining. You know, if we don't find that fourth time zone, which by the way, the fourth time zone would eliminate Arizona and Arizona State. That to me sounds like an Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal kind of a conversation, right? But I I mean, if that's, you kind of had your bet and it doesn't sound like there is one of those specific programs that he's targeting. But now do you also come away and say, huh, hmm. Is this a situation where now if they don't add anyone, is it viewed as a disappointment?
1: Yeah, maybe to some degree. I mean, it's going to be dependent upon really kind of what the Pac-12 TV deal looks like, what the Big 12 TV deal looks like, and if the Big 12, yes, can raid the Pac-12. I mean, I think all of those things – are going to mesh together and how that plays out. That's sort of how this thing's going to get judged for your Mark, whether or not he's successful here. If, if the big 12 stays together though, I mean, just point blank. If he keeps the big 12 from getting rated and 15 years from now, we're talking about these same 12 teams for the big 12 conference being together, then it's a success, right? Then, then that's a success for your Mark.
0: Yep. All right. Let's do a big story. Number four. Number four. Big news this morning. Dabo Sweeney has signed a new deal with the Clemson Tigers. It is a 10-year, $115 million contract. It keeps him with the Tigers through 2021, and he enters the $10 million per year club. It is also the largest college football coaching contract by total compensation. Big story number three. Number three. We get news this morning about the injury to Matt Stafford and exactly how deep rooted that injury was. Uh, this offseason, he underwent a procedure, according to Adam Shepard, this morning, which um, helped him deal with the pain that he experienced last year. Along with the procedure, Stafford also received an injection in his as he treated an injury that Rams coach Sean McVeigh had previously referred to as a little bit abnormal for a quarterback. Sources reporting through Adam Schefter this morning that Stafford feels better today than he did at this time last year, something the quarterback appeared to confirm on Sunday when he said there were no limitations on his elbow, which gets us to big story number two. Number two. Oh. The start of the NFL season is tonight. Who you let me see what this most recent number is here. Let's see. I'm on college football spreads. I decided to finally submit my – Teddy and I going with the same upset, so that's good. Rams are a two-and-a-half-point dog as they were a 52. What do you think?
1: Well, I like the Bills to cover, and I like the Bills to win this football game, though I'm not ironclad one way in it. I mean, this is such a gotcha. good season opening Kickoff for the National Football League. These are two, I mean, this could be a Super Bowl preview, and I don't think that's a shocking thing to say the rams won the super bowl last year the bills are somebody in the afc that a bunch of people it's a trendy pick to unseat cincinnati and to unseat kansas city and to get to the super bowl for the first time since the 90s and to maybe go win the super bowl so it's a great game i'm taking the bills i like them to cover that spread but uh do i feel great about it heck no i don't feel great about it. are you kidding me they're playing this defending super bowl <laughs> champs on the night where they're gonna have a coronation
0: a couple of tidbits from yesterday as well. We'll hold off on the James Winston cut until we get it back. A new starter for the New York Jets, ain't that right, Robert Sala?
4: With everything with the quarterbacks that we just made, the, that he's not quite ready, and uh, and we're rolling with Joe. It's going to be one hundred and ten percent, and that goes uh, mentally and physically. And uh, and when he's ready to go, well, that's when we're going to put him on the field.
0: So, Zach Wilson out a few weeks. Boy, what a weird injury, too. It went from, oh, he'll be ready in time for the season, and now that's like six to eight weeks. Um, Todd Bowles on the absence of Tom Brady.
5: I thought it was a good thing because we talked about it and we understood that he had something to do. I told the team the
2: morning of, but everybody in the front, in the office knew, coaches knew,
0: and it kind of a run game a little more. Uh, and Lamar Jackson on his contract.
4: As of right now, you know, we're still talking. You know, the week's not over yet, but soon, soon, probably be a deadline. Probably be cut off after this week. You think
0: there's a chance that Lamar Jackson, if they don't reach a contract agreement, says, guys, I'm sitting. You had all off season for this. I doubt it. Dude, but, hmm, that'd be fascinating. And change my pick as to who wins the AFC North. (laughs) I really hope that Lamar Jackson's like,
1: I really hope that doesn't happen this week because they're my survivor pick, so I really need him to play.
0: Uh, hey, I think with him, they'd still be Joe Flacco and the Jets. It gets a big story number one. Number one.
1: Number one.
0: Number one. Oh. All right, so um late on our top five stories of the day brought to you by Newcastle Casino. But hey, when we come back, let's talk a little bit about Kent State. I've been I mean, I don't know how much interest you guys have in learning more about the Golden Flashes, but we'll hear from their head coach Sean Lewis plus some um, interesting nuggets on their battery matchup with the Sooners. I'm playing. This is the ref.
1: with you. It's the Plank Show right here, home of Sooner fans. This is the Rev, ladies and gentlemen. And this hour, as always, it's brought to us by Josh Tucker and the crew out there at Rooftech, Rooftech of Oklahoma, locally owned and operated for 30 years. Give Josh Tucker and Rooftech a call for all of your roofing needs, 405-703-4245, where they guarantee the highest quality workmanship in the roofing industry. So we've talked a little bit about the the NFL game tonight. We've obviously made picks this morning. The uh, rest of the college football slate this week, I mean, Stanford USC, we've kicked that around. I mean, where do you you sit with that? Is it realistic for Stanford to win that game? Are we being hopeful? It's an ABC game, so there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this one. Uh, I'll be intrigued to see how it plays out. I'm kind of thinking it's still wishful thinking what do you make of just the college football slate that doesn't include Oklahoma I mean we got Alabama Texas we'll be reacting to from early on Saturday I think that's going to be a route we'll see if Texas hangs around what kind of catches your eye from just the entirety of the slate plank
0: yeah I mean listen we'll get I guess we'll get to this Kent State stuff here in a bit but I I don't really see much from Stanford and, and I kind of was digging during the break. I'm not going to lie. I, I hadn't paid much attention to him in week one because they played such a lower-level opponent, but they went and took care of business. I do think it's wishful thinking. Timothy in Kansas City checked in on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, go, Stanford plays ball control, which is Lincoln Riley's kryptonite. I mean, how many kryptonites does this dude have? There's ball control. There's uh, rush three, drop eight. I mean, <laughs> for Superman, uh, there's a lot of – there's a lot of kryptonite on that front, it seems. But I, I'll i tell you what. I think every game in the Big 12, outside of, obviously, OU Kent State and what is it, TCU and Tarleton? Is that right? I think Tarleton State is TCU's matchup. But I think every other game in the Big 12 is a banger this week. I really do. Um, you know, I, Arizona State's not very good, but Oklahoma State has shown an ability to to kind of struggle a little bit in in early season games like this. Now, they were dominating. They were dominating last week against Central Michigan, and then just the bottom absolutely fell out. But Alabama-Texas is interesting to me, right? I mean, we've spent a lot of time talking about that. In fact, here with Steve Sarkeesian about the, the, the mental approach to the game this weekend for the Longhorns.
3: I think the biggest thing for us is be enamored with us. You know, I think one of the real challenges, like as as Kurt just touched on, I think you can get caught up in being worried about Alabama. You can get caught up in being worried about game day being here. You can get caught up in being worried about Fox being here. You can get caught up in all the stuff that really is irrelevant to our ability to play good football. So we need to be enamored with us. Enamored
0: with us. What a line. Um, But I think it's interesting to see what Texas can do in that game and then Josh, I think we find out a lot about the Big 12 this Saturday, right? Missouri at Kansas State. Kansas State. You like Kansas State big in this game, right? I I mean, I like them comfortably, yeah, by a couple of scores or so.
1: But maybe I'm still drunk and high off the offseason buzz that Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn are going to, in fact, be a nice little combination together. Week one wouldn't indicate that that's necessarily going to be the case in Dude. manhattan kansas so we'll see if Drinkwitz and company can come in there and shock them a little bit at bill snyder family stadium i just have a sneaking suspicion that k-state is going to play much much better in this game and obviously a power five opponent i think will have k-state's full attention but you're right top to bottom this slate is pretty tasty for the big 12 sure. obviously alabama texas you you Curious to see what happens there. Texas Tech, uh, that's a big one for them versus Houston. The Cy-Hawk battle, uh, always going to be a good game. Kansas-West Virginia, I mean, look, Kansas, dare I say it quietly, did some nice things that you would expect them to do in their opener. I mean, no way, right, that they go to Morgantown and that that game's close?
0: Well, I, I mean, you would think, but – how does West Virginia respond to the heartbreak? But see, I, I want to get that. Is, is my feet any better, Josh? Or it is better. Is still yes. Terrible. Okay. Well, real quick, before I get to Kansas, West Virginia, big week for the Big Twelve, the non-conference games. I mentioned Missouri, Kansas State, Houston, Texas Tech. Right. All of this preseason fluff on Houston uh, goes out the door if they can't compete with Texas Tech, who, by the way, is a three and a half point favorite. This will probably be the year that many would think that Iowa State has its best shot to beat Iowa based on what we saw in week one after last year was the best shot to beat Iowa with a preseason top ten ranking. How does Iowa State handle things? And then, you know, I've been bullish on Baylor kind of backsliding a little bit this year, but if they go on the road and they beat BYU and start out with an impressive win against a veteran team like BYU is, look out, and yeah, you hit it on the head, dude. Kansas and West Virginia – how does West Virginia reply to the heartbreak of last week? Does it does it rally the troops? Do they do they come together and realize, dang man, we're close. We're we're close to being I know many of you are tired of hearing about being close, but we're close to being a good team. Does it rally everyone or does it end up as a situation to where they, they gave it their best shot and it's deflating and Neil Brown's lost some of that locker room? I, I don't know. But I think you know, Saturday night could be a good indication. If they smoke Kansas, then all right, there we go. Neil Brown's got him they, They're, they're going to be okay. But if Kansas goes in there, Josh, and keeps that game tight, you're right. I mean, things could go south really quick up in Morgantown. Daniels
1: v. Daniels at uh, quarterback in that game. Little little interesting deal. Just uh, last week for West Virginia, it was ex USC quarterback versus ex USC quarterback. So West Virginia's got this weird quarterback matchup streak going here, back to back weeks to open the season.
0: Very weird. Uh, a couple of quick Air cover Solutions to text. Shane the train in Newcastle. Kansas beats West Virginia by two touchdowns. I whoa.
1: I kind of the, no. the reason I I mentioned that is. I don't know. Then again, you're listening to somebody that, if you recall, on last uh, week's OEC Fiber Football Friday, I told you, man, oh, well, Oregon, you know, they might keep this thing close versus Georgia. And then they gave up seven consecutive touchdowns to start the game. So anything that I say about Kansas and West Virginia, and look out, Kansas, they might go to Morgantown and make this thing a little more interesting than you
0: think. Take that with many a grain of salt. Okay, listen. First of all, you weren't alone in thinking that Oregon had a chance to keep that game close. So whatever you do, please, please, please don't beat yourself up over that one. Number two, number two, um, I I like it. I absolutely like it. I, I would be here for it. Uh, for the 405, the Oklahoma State line was Oak State by 12.5. It's now down to 10. Well, again, I, I – I think a lot of people just are box score watching with Arizona state. I think if you watched Arizona state in Northern Arizona last week, that is a team that Oklahoma state should beat handily. Uh, and then Jay from Adill writes, will Pat fields be active to face USC? Well, he was last week had three tackles for, for Stanford in their 41, 10 win over, over Colgate. So maybe, Maybe you found something. Maybe you found something there that is a, a a little bit of an extra juice for Stanford, where maybe a lot of people are having to spend many a many a minutes breaking down Oklahoma game tape. Not only would Stanford do that, but in their graduate transfer, that's their starting nickel, Pat Fields. They've got a guy that practiced against it, you know, every year that he was at OU. Look at you, Jay, from Medill, trying to find the advantage for Stanford. Boy, look what you've done, Toby Rowland, with your pick of Stanford to beat USC on Saturday night. Um, I, I want to get to this stuff from Sean Lewis, but let's do it when we come back. Let's not run out of time here. The Plank Show is on the road. We're at Cavins Construction on a Thursday. Uh, Gary and the crew are rocking for you at 405 three three zero four eight or online at cavensconstruction.com. Roofing, uh, mold water remediation, you name it, they've got you covered at Cavens. We'll wrap it up with Sean Lewis next. Uh, let, let me, since I've talked about it enough, let me get to it here quickly. It's Plank Show right here on The Ref. I think everyone's kind of done with Sark, though. This did kind of crack me up <laughs> for the 405. We need to be enamored with us? Is that advice that ever needs to be given to someone from Texas? Is that not the very definition of a Texan? Listen, I'm just here to tell you. You got to be enamored with yourself. We got to be enamored with us. (laughs) Uh, All right. Um, Can we hear from Sean Lewis? Here was the Kent State football coach's opinion of the Golden Flashes after week one.
6: Yeah, I mean, first off, good morning, everyone. Happy Labor Day. Thank Um, you. Coming to you from beautiful, sunny Oklahoma here. Got in yesterday, Uh, you know, traveled from Washington to Oklahoma. We got a chance to review the tape and everything. Uh, Lots of good things that we can build upon. Obviously, things that we need to learn um, as well from those lessons. But we got a strong, resilient football team that when they play right in all three phases, you know, we do things the right way. And there's some great pictures of that that we learn from. When we got a couple guys that aren't using proper technique or don't have proper eye discipline, Right then, then things can break down. But there's lots of good that we can build upon. I was very pleased, like we mentioned Saturday night or early Sunday morning, whenever it was, uh, whatever time zone you were in. You know, really pleased with the way that our guys finished that game with the goal, and and then with our guys, you know, getting the ball off the goal line there to end that thing the right way. Again, lots of positives we can build it from off of, and as we move forward in the week in Oklahoma here, looking forward to getting back out on the practice field tomorrow. We tighten up the game plan for a very talented Oklahoma team here as we spend the week in Tulsa, and then we'll travel over um, to Oklahoma City and Norman to play the game on Saturday. But looking forward to the next challenge, the next test, and I know we'll be better because of it all.
0: Now, uh, as you might imagine, he was asked for his opinion about Oklahoma and what he saw on tape from the Sooners in week I
6: mean, there, there's a lot of similarities in our offensive style of play when you trace the uh, – the history of these offenses back um coach levy their oc is actually one of the guys that i learned this offense from way back in the day i mean so it's kind of like looking at our offense um just a more souped up version of it they got a lot of talented kids it's a pretty unique situation with you know coach riley leaving when he did for the opportunity that he had and um you know it wasn't like it was a program that was down and out that's hiring a new coach is a program that you know, has played in the college football playoff here recently. They're, they're in big-time New Year's Six bowl games year in and year out. They've recruited at a really high level, and they're a very, very talented ball club.
0: There you go. Sean Lewis on his opinion of Oklahoma as we get set for Kent State and the Sooners this Saturday. Tomorrow we'll go a little bit more all-in. We're going to be uh, in two different locations for our OEC Fiber football Friday. So uh, Josh is going to be at Two Green Chicks right over by Sam's. I'm going to be out at Blanchard. I get to be at a golf course uh, tomorrow, Winter Creek Golf and Country Club. Uh, in fact, I'm not just hanging out at the golf course. They're doing a big fundraising event out there for uh, Norman Public School. So it's going to be uh, a busy day, but a lot of football tomorrow. Lee Sterling will join us from ParamountSports.com, and we'll pick the games. Let's go. Uh, everyone have a great rest of your Thursday. Uh, Steely and Thune at noon are next. See you back here tomorrow on the Home of Sooner Fans.
2: It never ends, never ends. All the things that I used to say, all the words that got in the way.